0: Right today I want to continue with can I have that um, slideshow please thanks. I want to continue with the second part in this mini series that we're doing on five attributes that are foundational for us to be a powerful church. I'm not talking about a powerful meeting. I mean I I, I so enjoyed our worship this morning. Great song choice. Um, really loved worshiping God together. But I'm talking about the powerful church. That's us being powerful out there in the world. To demonstrate how good our God is. Now, last week we looked at um, a couple of these. We looked at one of them, sorry. We looked at on being contemplative. A brief recap. If you didn't hear it, it's probably worth listening to. Why? Because I said it. No, no. Because it is the key to transformation as a Christian. Without knowing how to contemplate Jesus and behold Him in His glory, taking time to think deeply and gaze upon Him and His truth, and allow that truth to wash over you, there is no being transformed into His image from one degree of glory to another. That's That's the problem. So therefore, learn what it means to contemplate. There is both exclusive contemplation, where it's just you and Him, And then there is functional, when you're just going throughout your day and you're remembering Him throughout the day and you're just aware of His goodness and His presence throughout the day. Now today we're going to talk about on being holy. Then we're going to talk about on being charismatic sometime, which is relying upon the graces of God. Then we're going to talk about on being just and bringing justice into the world. And then lastly we'll be speaking about on being evangelical, which means on being good news people and bringing good news into the world so first of all now I want us to talk about on being holy so let's see if I can play with this and do that wow let me tell you something no preacher looks forward or teacher to teaching on holiness (laughs) I'm serious it's like this week I go oh Jesus help me please Yet, it is the anthem of heaven, holy. We sang about that, that, that one song this morning that we sung about, which I've been waiting for us to sing. I'm so happy we're singing it. Holy, holy is the Lord. The creatures, the living creatures, the 24 elders, the, the, the throngs of angels are all announcing holy. What does it mean? Just simply to remind you, it means there is no one else like him. He is altogether different and unique. That's all holy means. You are different. Not in a weird way. So for us as Christians, let's talk about on being holy. Please, not in a weird way. So I want to start off by looking at some verses from the Passion. Galatians 5. Let me be clear. The anointed one Christ has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth, <coughs> excuse me, and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of the past. When you understand what Christ has done, it is new creation, new future, old is gone, I'm not going back. You know what that automatically means? You're holy. You're now different. You're now set apart from your past, set apart from your failures, set apart from your old identity. You are now holy. You are now different. If you want to be made holy by fulfilling the obligations of the law, you have cut off more than your flesh. Speaking of circumcision, you have cut yourselves off from the anointed one and have fallen away from the revelation of grace. You cannot be made holy by doing anything yourself, but by receiving and believing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ putting your faith in Him, and you are made holy. No other way. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations for the natural realm. This is not your launching pad now to do your own thing. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence, that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life, For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you, and the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. The Holy Spirit is the only one who defeats the cravings of the natural life. Then he goes on to say, So I say to you, stop with the nonsense. Sexual immorality, bitterness, resentment, resentment, anger, darkness, all that other stuff of the old. He says, you have been set free. You have been made holy. If you walk by the Spirit, you will be led by the Spirit continually into greater realms of freedom. Sadly, throughout the ages, the church has historically done two things and got two things horribly wrong. Number one, The church has thought that she has been ordained and anointed and made holy to be God's police on planet earth. It's a disaster. We think we've got to go around ticketing people. You shouldn't smoke. You shouldn't swear. How can you do this and just tell people to get off the bus because of what they've done? Do you know that this could not be further from the truth of Jesus? He did take on the religious. He did tell them where they were wrong. Because they were self-righteous and believed they were holy. And he was trying to say to them, actually, you're not. But we'll get to that in a moment. But sadly, we've overreached on our judging. That's where we've erred. We've overreached on judging one another. And it's made the church a little cranky. (laughs) And the world thinks some Christians are a little cranky. And that inhibits the display of the goodness and the glory of God through our lives to the world. Religious Christianity has built up an image over the ages of Jesus being this critical judge, exposing our failures, and leaving us feeling guilty and shamed and condemned. While Jesus does care deeply about how we live our lives, He said, I have not come to judge. I have come to save the world. There is one who is the judge, speaking of God, Yahweh. And at the end of time, He will judge. He will judge the living and the dead, because the dead will be raised to life. And He will judge everybody, Including us, but guess what? We who are in Christ have no fear of that judgment, because we've already passed from death to life. We're not going to be kicked out. We, however, will, but but for the rest who don't, who haven't chosen, that's where that's judgment day. But for us who are in Christ, what will our judgment be? It will be a rewarding, or a lack of rewarding, on how we've lived out this gospel life on planet Earth. That's what I believe from the Scriptures. But there's no fear of judgment in us. There's no fear of punishment like 1 John says. For as He is, so are we already in this world. Holy, set apart. So take a look at this clip. I've showed it once before years ago. This Can I have the lights off in the front here please, Pierre? Um, the sound quality isn't great. This is just a a picture of the religious image that Jesus has become to many people in the world.
1: Do you think he can fly? Shh. Here he comes. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm <laughs> I am Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter you lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see... and. You I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Mm -hmm. Philip, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. Frank... You know what you did. I just can't repeat it, because I'm Jesus. Alright, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. Look at all these sinners. Listen up, listen to me, I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this. You're all evil. There is no hope. That's it. Thank you.
0: I hope that didn't offend any of you. But that is the image that a lot of people in the world have got of Jesus. That all he does is walk around giving tickets to people for what they've done wrong. When it couldn't be further from the truth. And we are not called to be like that. I was connecting with a very good friend of mine this week in our church. And he shared with me a story Of somebody he knows whose son, young man, came out on social media just recently and said that he was attracted to the same sex. But he said that he was not going to act out on it. In other words, he was going to remain celibate, but he was just confessing that's really what's going on inside of him. Do you know that on social media, the people who attacked him the most were Christians, the, the police. Yeah. And they shamed him on social media. And it's got a tragic story because this young man ended up taking his life. Oh, no. Young, less than 20 years old. Friends, can you imagine, how would Jesus speak to that young man? We are called to be like God, holy, where we bring the grace and the gospel of Jesus to people. Whoever is quick to judge has not understood grace. Whoever is quick to judge has not understood what Jesus did on that cross. Because that cross has leveled the playing fields for everybody. It has made us all literally Equal, on equal ground. Who's better than who? Who's greater than who? Where would I be if it wasn't for Jesus? Who knows what kind of mess my life would have been if it wasn't for the grace of God? So let's stop handing out tickets. Now holiness doesn't mean self-righteousness. Doesn't mean I'm feeling better than you because I'm proud of my spirituality. Holiness doesn't make you any better than anybody else. Holiness just means you are different from the world. That's all it means. You set apart for God to carry the gospel and and to bring the heart of Jesus into this broken world. That's all being holy means. Holiness makes us more like God and different from the masses. Holiness means we are not conformed like everybody else to the patterns of this world but have been transformed and are being transformed daily. That's what holiness means. The second problem the church has done, besides the overreaching and judgment, is we have wanted to portray that we are holy by doing things on the outside that make us look holy, while inside it's still a mess. Yeah. That's called hypocrisy. That, that is just as much of a foul stench The world. The beautiful thing about Jesus is he is integrous. He is absolutely who he says, sorry, who he says, who he is and what he says are exactly the same. And he wants us to be like him. In other words, it's okay to have a non judgmental self awareness of your reality. And it's okay to tell somebody, Hey, I'm struggling in this area without fear of judgment. Because we're not here to hand out tickets, but we had to encourage each other to continue in the grace of God, to behold, to, to gaze upon, to contemplate Jesus where the transformation can take place. And I need you to pray for me in my contemplation, in my transformation. And you need me to pray for you. And we need each other to grow in this walk of holiness. But you see, friends, the religious, the Pharisees, th- they thought they were doing fine. They thought they were holy. Why? Because on the outside, they looked holy. They sounded holy. They prayed the right way. They looked, everything looked good on the outside. But Jesus said, actually, inside, there's a stench. He was straight with them. He said, "You, the only way to be made holy is when there's change inside. What you eat doesn't make you unholy. That's what he said to them, even under the law. Think about that. That's radical. Even under the law of Moses, you were saying hey, what you eat doesn't make you unholy. It's what's inside. So now, if there's a problem, a disconnect between what's going on inside and what we're portraying on the outside, let's address it. Let's not pretend. No one needs to pretend. So let's be honest with God and ourselves and with a few people we love and trust, and who, who love us and trust us. And then let's start to contemplate Jesus. And let's start to believe for this transformation because it happens by the Spirit. This is from the Lord, like I shared last week. Because what happens in holiness, and Naaman was sharing a, this with us on Tuesday in our meeting, what happens with contemplation As you behold Jesus, as you gaze upon Jesus, you're looking at Him, and you are receiving a renewed identity about who you really are every time you gaze into His eyes. Every time you behold His truth, His truth washes over you, and He starts to affirm who you are now, not who you used to be. He starts to affirm truth, and that truth transforms us and our identity a new identity is formed and when you know who you are you don't struggle so much anymore when you know who you are who your father is and what he's called you to you don't struggle so much when you make a mistake but if your identity is not secure in Christ and you do make a mistake whether it be big or small you wobble and you can fall and you can lie in the dust whereas God's grace always wants to lift you up and remind you of who you are, that you are forgiven and that you have got a future. But it's our job to behold Him, to contemplate Him, because that's where the transformation takes place. Contemplation is identity forming. It forms and shapes your inner reality, which of course, from the inside, shapes how we behave, that's what holiness is, you, you start to behave differently when you, there's a transformation on the inside, otherwise you're just pretending, otherwise it's hypocrisy, so what's the big deal about holiness with God anyway, why is holiness such a big deal Tim? Do you know that his plan and his purpose from the very beginning, from Adam all the way through, has always been this, I want you to show the world who I am, that there's no one else like me. I want you to show them I'm holy. And he anointed us to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. That's what he told Adam to do. Now go, multiply, fill the earth, show them who I am. And with Abraham, and with, and with, and with, and with, and with, and with the church. So all, and now when you read the Psalms, you'll see sometimes it says there, um, who amongst the gods is like our Lord. Have you ever read that? That, that scripture is not trying to affirm that there are other legitimate gods, all powerful and real, and it's just trying to say this. My goal is this, because people throughout the ages, from the beginning even to now, always find a God to worship. It's, it's in us. Eternity is in the heart of man, Ecclesiastes says. We, we have to believe something's, something's bigger than us. Who made all of this? How does this all fit together? God. And whether the, it's the Vikings or the Greeks or the Romans or whether it was the Edomites or whether it was, there's always a God. And our God was saying, I am the only one, the true one, the creator of all. So You tell them there's no one else like me. Show them that I'm holy. And so that's been the consistent theme of God throughout the entire scriptures from Old Testament to New. And it hasn't changed. God still desires us to be holy. Why? Because when we're holy, we are showing the world the gospel. We're showing the world the goodness of God. We're showing the world the truth and the grace and the power and the love. We're showing the world that Jesus is for real and He is amazing. Listen to what Ephesians 1, 4 says. Because I've got to say this. You are not unholy if you're a Christian. You are holy. Ephesians 1 and verse 4 says this. Paul writes and he says, If we are in Christ Jesus, we are holy and blameless before God. So, if you believe it, if you're in Christ, and you believe what Jesus did on that cross was enough for you, then hear yourself say that, I am holy in His sight. Maybe say it now if you believe it. If, if you don't believe it, don't say it. I am holy in His sight. Because of Jesus. That's, that's the reality. I am holy. I am blameless in His sight because of Jesus. That's my starting point. So Paul now writes in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. And he says this. But let's bring holiness to completion. <laughs> what, what does he mean? In other words, wasn't the work of Jesus sufficient to make me holy? No, it was. He made you holy in Him. Inside, you have been declared righteous. But guess what you and I do? We live out in a natural world in a human body. The reality of what's happened on the inside. And that's the partnership with God that we enjoy, being led by the Spirit. Because if I'm not led by the Spirit, I will just end up doing what my natural body craves. Because my natural body is for real. Hammer, thumb, kick your toe on the corner of the couch, A hey, na. So, but as this transformation takes place, I get to live out the reality of on the inside. And that's my walk with God on this highway of holiness that Isaiah speaks about. I am holy. I'm not trying to get holy. I'm not trying to be holy. I am holy. But all I want is for the world to see that what's happened on the inside, there's a legitimate expression of it to the outside. And just by gazing upon him, that's where the transformation takes place. You cannot be sin conscious and believe you're holy at the same time. God doesn't want us to fixate on what we do wrong. He wants us to fixate on Jesus and contemplate Him. And the cross and the, and the peace and the mercy and, and the love, that's where transformation takes place. If you hold up your sin and you continually remind yourself and you listen to the words of the enemy, you will live defeated as a Christian. You can't be sin conscious and holy. But I'm I am aware of my pitfalls. And I tell the people close to me about them. And they know. And they can ask me at any time. Greg, how are you doing in that area? Listen to what Paul says. A couple of scriptures. God has saved us and called us to a holy calling. You have a holy calling. That's not pastors. That's the church. Church, you have a holy calling. You have a unique God-anointed calling to represent Him on planet Earth, to shine like a star in the sky to show how good He is. There's another verse. But you are a holy people for His own possession, that you may proclaim His excellencies. There's that theme that runs through all of Scripture. I am holy not because it makes me look great. I am holy so that people look at Him. Oh, okay. Let me see. Uh, 1 Peter, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Wow. Since it is written, and he quotes the Old Testament, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Do not let this be confused with what Jesus says to the disciples and the Pharisees where he says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's not the same thing. That's where he was trying to elevate the failure of man to fulfill the law. You can't be perfect, but yet that's the the demand of the law. So don't confuse the two. To be holy just means to be set apart for God, washed in His blood, forgiven and set free, and I've got a new future as a new creation. So, let me end off with a few of these. When everybody else is, be holy. Why? Because the Spirit of God in me leads me into truth. And I want to listen to the Spirit of God. When everybody else is just living for themselves, what does Paul say? Present your body as a living sacrifice. God, I'm here for you. This body you've prepared for me, I'm here to do your will. When everybody else is, church, we're different. Not in a weird way. When everybody else is just going with the flow of this world, we are not conformed to its pattern. We are transformed. We're different because we've got the Spirit of God in us. Because He's made us holy. Holy. So when everybody else is getting caught up in the sex-crazed world, gosh, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't open social media. You, you can do nothing nowadays. You can't drive your car without a billboard. You can go, nothing. It's a sex-crazed world. When everybody else is just going with that flow, God, may I shine with the truth of the gospel. When everybody else is just sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend because it's what we do. What, what, what's a piece of paper? How's that piece of paper going to change things? We love each other. When everybody else is, now the Spirit of God in us leads us into all truth to honor what, 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 is, what shines, what the gospel shines out into a dark world and says, there's a better way. Yeah. Honestly, sex is beautiful and it is for marriage where there's safety and commitment and value and honor and dignity, and I'm not just leaving, I'm here to the end. That's where it's beautiful. When ev- oh, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians verse four, chapter four, verse four and seven, "Know how to con- let each man or person know how to control their own body in holiness and honor. For God has not called us for impurity, but holiness, to be different from the world. That's all it means. When everybody else, when everybody else is just going with the flow of debt, because it's so hot—no, I no, seriously—it is. Yeah. I'm with you. Groceries in the last two years—if wh- whatever you were spending before, you're now spend—you have to spend there to buy the same stuff. It's ridiculous, and I don't think it's going to change. But what do we do? We either have to try and adjust what we are buying, or you just go with the flow, because everybody just swaps the credit card, and then you play catch-up, and then you play catch-up, and then you're forever playing catch-up, and you are forever a slave to debt. At some stage, let's be holy. God, actually, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm trusting you for change, and I'm going to start choosing I'm going to start making decisions that move towards that change. When everybody else is, because money is so tight, when everybody else is trying to grab and hold on to and I'm worried about my future and I'm worried about this and and becoming more stingy and more selfish with money, no, we're holy. We still bless. We still give to God's work on earth. We still give to the poor. We still give to each other. As a Holy Spirit leader, we, we're generous because we're holy, because we are like Him. God is the Holy One. And yeah, I'm going to finish now. When everybody else, let me finish with this one. Two more. When everybody else just is having another drink, we just go with the flow. No, we don't. I know when I've had enough. No, this body is the temple of God. Eating, same thing. When everybody else is just having more, God, this is the one body you've given me. This is your temple. I know when I've had enough. When everybody else is smoking a bit of weed, when everybody else is, no, I'm holy. I've been set apart to shine with the gospel. When everybody else is talking about that race group like that or, or those people or those people who came in on the air, I'm not like that. God, I'm holy. I want to bring honor and love to people. So God says, you are holy. That's what he is. That's what Jesus did. Now walk it out, but being transformed on the inside and let the world see that I am holy through you. Let's stand